Welcome to another episode of Incomo with Judith Amua. Our topic for today is Becoming Americanized with our guest speaker, Jacqueline Addo Yenkasa. For today's topic, I invited my sister Jackie because we both came to the U.S. at a young age and had to assimilate to American culture while maintaining our traditional Ghanaian culture. Say hi, Jackie. Hi, everyone. This is Jackie. I'm excited to be here and share my experience with you. Yay. So, you know, we always do a little icebreaker before we start and get into the heavy topic for the day. For today's icebreaker, we're going to do a little pop quiz and see how much Jackie really knows about Ghana. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about it, so first question, what year did Ghana gain independence? I know it's March 6th, but I don't know the year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so the year is 1957. Ding ding ding. Okay. All right. So, next question. Let's hope you get this one. Who's the first president of Ghana? I'm in Yay! <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> right. And, all right, third question um, for you, Jackie. What is the currency of Ghana? Cities. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay. And last, last, how much is cities to a dollar? No idea. Oh, I know is that there's something called, um, wait, you can either use Western Union Oh, well, that's not a something. That that's not somebody. what I'm talking about. <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about at all. I can Google it for you, but I don't know it on top of my head. To be honest, I don't even know. But I know it's like twenty five cents or something. I'm not even sure. I have to Google it myself. But thank you, thank you, Jackie, for being here today. Um, today's topic: we are going to be talking about what it means to be Americanized. You know, a lot of the times we hear this term, you know, when you come here from a young age and you grow up here and you adopt certain behaviors and influences from American culture and you, you know, you become influenced and it becomes part of who you are and your personality and people start to think, oh, you know, why are you acting this way? Why are you acting so Americanized? Why are you being this way? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so let's get into it. Okay? okay. You ready, Jackie? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we came to this country when we were young. Um, I always thought that we were first generation immigrants, but I have come to learn that we are actually generation 1.5. And that means that we were born in a foreign land, but we came to the U.S. at a very young age. And it is an important distinction because the first generation, which will be people like our parents, and the 1.5 generation of immigrants have very different experiences. Um, the old people, they came here, they had their set of traditions, they had their mentality, they knew what they came here for. But us who came here when we were very young or those Ghanaians children that are born here, it's a different landscape because you get caught up between two cultures. Mm -hmm. And it's hard not to be influenced by both because that, those are the two lives that you live. Those are the two things that are around you that is influencing how you behave, how you think, and how you perceive the world. So I was going to say our 
experiences as generation 1.5 is very different from that of our parents and when we came here we were young and impressionable and just beginning the journey into adolescence and most of us know that at that stage of life is when you are trying to figure out who you are you are trying to make sense of the world and your place in it so coming from Ghana to America was a huge transition for someone like me who was just about to go through puberty and trying to figure out who mm -hmm. I am. With all those changes that were going on inside of me, physically, emotionally, mentally, and then having to change my environment, um, not to mention also coming to contact my parents for, because we had lived apart for so many years, just the f coming together with my parents, again, it was like, it was a big transition. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to, mm -hmm. it was a big adjustment that we all had to make, so... With that being said, I just wanted to know what you thought. Like, what was the transition like for you, you know, coming from Ghana to the U.S.? Um, I think I agree with almost everything you said because mm -hmm. it, it was a big transition, you know. For me, it was like um, dad came here in 1995 mm -hmm. and, or I think 1996 or so. I think it was probably 1996 because yeah. I was so born in 1995 right, and he came right. here when one I was one. One year after you were born. So he came here around 1996 and I remember when the whole family went to the airport and waved goodbye and yeah. it was like a whole big deal. Oh, I don't remember. Um, you know, and, and you know, and then we went back um, from Accra to Dunkwao and then, um, so I grew up with Ma, you know, and then we 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 used to do go to you know grocery shopping together cook whatever she used to teach so she would pick me up um and so i i, I was with her um and i remember growing up with her in dunkau and then in 2001 she came here and then when she came here we had to live with um yeah. grandma um and then we lived with grandma for till 2004 right. when we came here so, um, although, yeah, we talked on the phone, how was everything going? I don't remember all that. <laughs> you know, when they would call, like, our grandparents, they're like, oh, your dad is on the phone. Right. Pick up the phone, you know, and then you say, hi, how is America? You know, whatever. But, so you get to hear their voice a little bit, but then again, you're not growing up with them every day, so you don't really know how it is like. Um, and so when we came here, like you said, it, it was like... Um, it, it 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 was a different feeling, you know, because I remember coming down the escalator from the airport, and Ma and Dad was standing there waiting for us, and they had this big excitement in your face. Right, I don't think I even recognized I them. Know. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it was like, yay, we're here. But from get go, you can tell that even though we have been talking on the phone all this while, there was still some kind of like, you know, um, like missing kind of like. Mm -hmm. you know four years of not being physically in contact with each other and so um the transition home was one and then obviously in the american culture yeah. it's also a whole different thing talk about yeah. culture shock um yeah yeah i remember when i came here i was so excited because this is america you know everybody dreamed to be in america mm -hmm. you know um everybody talk about this is where dreams happen. Um, all dreams can come true in America. So there was the excitement that if I'm here, I can make it, mm -hmm. you know. So have that mindset. 
Right. And um, and for me, the biggest shock of all was when I went to school. Because when I went to school, I mean, I spoke English, but I didn't know I had such a thick accent mm-hmm. that, you know, they couldn't even hear what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So I was in a math class, and the teacher was like, what is, I think it was like, what is like six times five or something? And I said, Teddy. <laughs> he was like, huh? I said, Teddy. So he couldn't even hear what I was saying that I have to write it on a paper wow. for him to understand I was saying 30. Wow. So that was like one of the other things, right? Because mm-hmm. then I was like, oh my God, they couldn't even hear what I was saying. And it, it was a huge um, shock. And then I remember one time when I was sitting in the same math class and someone came to me and said, oh, by the way, there's a boy over there. He thinks you're so cute and he wants to take you on a date. (laughs) And, you know, coming from Ghana at a young age. What is a date? What do you mean a date? (laughs) Right. When you see a boy, you're on the other side of the street because you don't want anybody to think you're a bad child. You know, you're going to born in the other day. Like, so... To my ignorance, I was like, what do you mean a date? The date is on the board. (laughs) (laughs) And oh my God, all of them started laughing. That oh my God. You know, just like, look at this this African chick. (laughs) I really didn't know what a date was. I thought the date is on the board. And then they started laughing. And so that was one. But then for me too, it was really like brutal because... Then all of a sudden, there was another group of people when I went to the cafeteria who was telling me, go back to your country. You know, mm. um, you look like a burnt tomato. Oh, my God. Oh, it was bad. Somebody told me that, too. It hurt my feelings. Yeah, it was bad. And so for me, I was so shocked because you know how in Ghana, when um, Caucasian people come, foreigners come to Ghana, the way we receive them. Yeah. We we accept them. We come with all this excitement, you know. We respect them. We respect them. We accept them. We we are hospital. And so I was like, oh my God, why would these people treat us like that? Mm -hmm. So that for me was like the biggest shock that the way Ghanaian people treat foreigners compares to the way that we are treated when we, the way I was treated when I came here. Because I would never do that to someone, you know. And so... Like you're saying, at that time I was like 13. So it was it was really a lot for me. And this was not one time. Not multiple. Multiple time. It kept going on for a while, you know. And I'm going to tell you, for me, coming from Ghana and knowing who I am, if you mess with me, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> you know? But then my parents told me that, oh, in America, you, can, you can't touch nobody. You're going right. to go to jail. Once you, they put that thing on your record, you are done. You cannot mm-hmm. find a job for the rest of your life. And these people keep bullying me and I have to sit there and watch them. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a really big uh, transition. It was, like a, it was too much at the time. It was, it was just a lot. It was a lot. But, you know, as time goes on, you learn to adapt. Um, high school was, was, I was so excited when I went to high school because there was a lot of Ghanaian people in high school and then we all would meet at the cafeteria. So then I felt a little bit at home 
knowing that there were Ghanaian people, people like that I can, you know, relate to and not have to be bullied by going to like um cafeteria and all of that. So the transition it, it was a lot, especially at that age. Um mentally, emotionally, it was it was just too much. I agree. I remember when people asked me, like, um, do you live on trees? Oh. How did... <laughs> yes, this girl asked me, how did you get to America? I said, girl, I flew. <laughs> you know? Because, of course, there's no airplanes in Ghana for yeah. us to, you know, get on the airplane and come to America. We must be so uncivilized. I know, right? And so village that we are just not even in the 21st century to know what airplanes are. It was crazy. It was crazy, but I feel like when I came here, I was very quiet. Like, for me, I was very quiet. When I went to school, I wouldn't speak. I think so, and, yeah. yeah. and I, they didn't understand what I was saying. So it you wasn't made me, me not even want to talk. I don't know if it was that, but I just didn't speak. And they assumed I didn't know English. Oh. Yes, so because I was very quiet, I just kept to myself. Because, you know, there's these are new people. Mm-hmm. I've never been in this situation before, right. surrounded by so many, you know, different people that are not, that I'm not accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And so I was just very quiet. And I think they started, they began to assume that, you know, I didn't speak English, which is probably why they put me in an ESL class. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, in the, <laughs> English, there too. In the English speaking them. class. And I was told yeah. them, like, do you think, what do you think I am? Yeah. My grandmother is a whole principal. <laughs> At a school, she taught me how to read. I can read better than all of you I know, here. I know they took me there too because I wasn't speaking and they couldn't understand me. They thought right. I didn't speak English. So the teacher told them, "I don't know why you have her here, but she speaks English and she exactly. writes English." Exactly. So they, they have to send me and back. You know the funny thing <laughs> is, they put me in a class of a bunch of Spanish people, and the teacher Spanish, and they're trying to teach me English, <laughs> and I'm like, "How does this work?" You know, yeah. being the only African person with a whole bunch of Spanish people, you're teaching in ESL, you're teaching them how to speak English. So you're translating from Spanish to English and you're teaching me how to speak English. Mm-hmm. Lady, I, I know, know how right. to speak English. Right. right. So it was just funny. I thought it was just funny, but it's definitely been, I think it's, when I came here, I had a lot of feelings about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, and how people, like you said, the hospitality was just terrible. Mm -hmm. Especially from people that look like us. You would be surprised. And that was the shocking part. Because it didn't come from people that did not look like me. Right. It was was coming from people that looked like me. I thought at a point, I was like, I feel like I was treated better by white people than by African Americans, to be honest. And that was the truth. Right. You know, they were the right. ones that were constantly taunting, constantly making the ignorant comments, constantly mm-hmm. always trying to get something out of you. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I was I was in my first friend here. I will never forget. Her name was Samantha. She was white. Mm-hmm. And she shared her Bratz doll with me. Aww. And that's one of the most significant memories that I have here. That's right. one of my right. early memories in America. Mm-hmm. And then there was always this lady. Um, I was friends with her daughter. And she always called me her chocolate bunny. <laughs> yeah, she That's was cute. so nice to me. She was like, oh, look at my little chocolate bunny. I'm like, you know, it was good. It made me feel better about myself. But I met that girl through the white girl, mm-hmm. Samantha, because they were actually very good friends. Okay. So they became my little recess group. So every time we would go to the playground, I will follow them around. Right. Yeah. So that was my experience. But 
experience, but I'd rather not right. go into all of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. Di- major differences in how we treat people and how we were received when we came here. I agree. So, over time, of course, we all we're all mixing with different cultures and the American culture and stuff. So, as you were growing, mm-hmm. did you struggle with defining your cultural identity? Um, the struggle is real. <laughs> I tell you. Really? Um, in terms of defining myself as a Ghanaian, I remember one time I came home and Dad was like, hey, "Let me tell you something. You might be in America, but you are a Ghanaian." Okay. <laughs> You're a Ghanaian, so don't be involved with all this American stuff because you're a Ghanaian. I'm telling you right now. So, in, as far as being a Ghanaian, I was never confused about being a Ghanaian. I mean, I I was born in Ghana. I came from Ghana. My parents are Ghana. We speak Chi at home. So, as far as being uh, a, a Ghanaian, you know, we eat Ghanaian food. So, I I I knew my identity as a Ghanaian, but I think for me the confusion was kind of like fitting in mm-hmm. as an American, right? Because our parents, I think, see the aspect that, yeah, we are Ghanaians, but they don't also think about the fact that we are in America. Oh. And so even though we are Ghanaians and we were born in Ghana, there is still um, an influence of, you know, American culture on us. And so... My whole thing is like at home you're being told you're not American, you're not American, you're not American, um, you're Ghanaian. You go out with this mentality that you're Ghanaian, you're Ghanaian. And so if Americans were doing something, you don't feel like you're supposed to get involved because mm. you're not American. Right. You're Ghanaian. You know what I mean? And so for me, that was the hard part. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I'm Ghanaian, but then fitting in the American culture was the hardest. Um, and, and that is where the challenge came from. Because talking about being Americanized, if you came home and you did something that was not consistent with the way that a Ghanaian person is supposed to act, then you're called, you, then your parents say, you're Americanized. You know, so that Americanized phrase was almost like a negative connotation to be associated with. Like, you know, you're Ghanaian. That's the good thing. Stick with being Ghanaian. But don't don't be influenced by America. And it's hard to do that psychologically because you live in America. (laughs) You're around American people. You go to school with Americans. You go to work in America, you know, with Americans. So how can I live and say I'm Ghanaian but not influenced by the American culture. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it was that was I think for me that was like um the difficult part, mm-hmm. you know, of coming into in terms and saying that listen, so what if I'm Americanized? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um there is a good and bad in every culture. But I think that being able to know what is good and picking what is good is better than trying to pretend that you, you know, you're not part of the culture. Right. And I think that's one of the issues that I find with the older Ghanaian population is that they don't try to integrate into Mm -hmm. American culture. It's like 
I'm Ghanaian. I come here. I'm around Ghanaian people. I work with Ghanaian people. I'm going to associate with Ghanaian people. I'm not going to even try to branch right, and try right. to assimilate and understand American and culture. culture. Right. And it's becoming a problem between them and the children because the children, in essence, if they come here at a young age, they're going to be influenced by American culture. Of and they're going to pick up on American behaviors. Of course. And you're going to, as a parent, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I see it and because I've experienced that, cultural dynamic mm -hmm. where you're growing up in america as a ghanian person you're already an other because you're not fully american right and you're not black american right so your experience is different so now you're trying to decide am i black american am i ghanian am i american what is ghanian it american i'm ghanian american <laughs> yeah. that's how you end up and that's actually something that i've come to terms with yeah before i didn't like to claim that I was American because once again when you were younger you've been told be Ghanaian be Ghanaian you're African, you're, African. You're, you're Ghanaian you're not American you're Ghanaian exactly <laughs> so with that being in mind it made you it made it seem as if being American was a bad thing that's what I was saying and that American culture in itself was bad right, right. but like I you said there is good and there is bad in each culture uh-huh you know, it's, and now I've come to the point where I can, you know, peacefully say without any hesitation that I'm Ghanaian American because that's what I am. Mm -hmm. I was born in Ghana. I came at a young age. I am Ghanaian. I have a very strong Ghanaian cultural heritage. I know who I am. I know where I come from. I know my people. I know the language. I know the culture. But I also have perspectives that come from living in America. Mm -hmm. I'm also influenced by American culture because I also lived a good part of my years right. in, in America. America. And as a matter of fact, you're still living here. Exactly. So, yeah. so I can't continue to say that, oh, I'm strictly Ghanaian because there is a part of me that is also very, very American. Right. And right. I see that a lot of the kids that I'm around, they feel that same way too, where there's like this different, two different personalities uh -huh. that they have to be something other than themselves when they're home because there is a certain way that you have to behave as a Ghanaian child. Uh -huh. And then they go outside and there's like a different personality because they're trying to fit in with the rest of the world. Right. And sometimes I've seen that it's become so bad to the point that it clashes and then the child completely disregards the culture mm -hmm. and follows the American way and then it becomes a whole set of problems mm -hmm. in the house because mm -hmm. you're acting like American, you're not acting the way you're supposed to mm -hmm. as a Ghanaian child. Right. And I mean I don't know how we go about correcting that kind of mentality so that these children can have the ability to express themselves at home without it being seen as negative or an American behavior mm -hmm. when they're just being themselves. Selves, right. It is difficult, but it all starts with education. You know, I think that um, our parents can come to understand that, yes, we are Ghanaians, but we are also in America. And rather than strictly saying you're Ghanaian and you're not American maybe like I said before let's just take the good mm -hmm. and say okay there, there, you know there's nothing wrong with expressing yourself 
Mm-hmm. You just have to do so respectfully. Right. You know, we can agree to disagree. You know, we may not see eye to eye, but we must respect each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing, you know, that you can teach your child and to say, don't talk back. Right. You know, you better not speak back. Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you for firsthand, when you do that, it does affect, you know, your us. When we go into, like, workplaces and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you. From working in corporate America, right? Corporate America is not a place where you're waiting to be told what to do before you do it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to progress in your in your career with that attitude. And it's not a place where when someone says something about you, you're supposed to sit there and take it. Because people can lie on you. Mm-hmm. And you should be able to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're taught that you should just be, you know, be quiet, don't speak back, just, you know, listen and do what you are told, then it becomes problematic. Because what happens when someone lies on you? Because you're so used to not speaking back or defending yourself, then you're just sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're waiting to always be told what to do, then when you get into your work, you're not proactive. Right. You don't take initiatives right? Because, because you're waiting to get the instruction before you move. Right. And when you do that, you might not be a timid person, but you might come off as a timid person. You may come off as someone who doesn't take initiative mm-hmm. or someone who is not proactive. And that will not, will not help you excel in your careers. Right. So like I'm saying, we can take the good, you know, and just in the good of this culture, and and then and teach her children because I had that problem when I first came to to corporate yeah. America and I wasn't the only one. I have a Ghanaian friend who also was telling me the same thing and how mm-hmm. she felt so intimidated to even look in the eyes of her boss because you know we've been taught to respect authority. When right. somebody in a place of authority speaks, you don't speak at all. Right. You know, how dare you mm-hmm. talk back to me and give me your opinion and right, what you right. think. Or even in the Ghanaian culture, I was told that even for some for some people, like, and, and this was what I've been told, like, even if we, when your boss w- was talking to you, you don't make eye contact. Really? Yeah. Some people, like, that is a way that you show respect by not looking at them in the eye. Wow. I didn't even know that. So looking at them in the eye could also, you know... And you know in America, you gotta you, look, you gotta make eye contact, especially <laughs> if you, you want to get a job. If you don't make eye contact, they feel like you're lying. Right. So you know, th- there's a whole, di- you know, the whole um, how do you say, like understanding this culture and that culture, and so you know, I feel like you just have to learn how to navigate. But okay. regardless of it all, you just have to also know where you at. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're saying, I don't think it's being two people. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to act like two people where you're like home and you act like one person. And then when, you, when you're not home, you act like a different person. I think you can just kind of know your environment mm-hmm. um, and know the people you're talking to mm-hmm. and be able to know how you can interact with your audience. You right. know, the same thoughts that I have 
that I would not say it mm-hmm. in in a place where I'm surrounded by especially older Ghanaians mm-hmm. and you know people that have certain mindset and there's a certain thinking or ideas that I would share with colleagues in corporate America or mm-hmm. American friends. So it's just being able to know your environment and and you know picking up knowing how to choose your words and how to kind of like um interact with your audience. That's true. You know. That's definitely true. I think you said it all pretty much everything that I was thinking. You know, it definitely the self-expression being stifled at home where mm-hmm. there's no room for individuality and you go out there and right. they're asking for your ideas and they want you to be innovative and they want you to take initiative and you're like, oh, I don't even know if it's, you know, if what I'm going to say is correct. You right. keep second guessing and, yourself. And I'm telling you. You keep second guessing yourself. You need somebody to, to say validate. it's okay yeah, you for you to have this idea mm-hmm. or for you to move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something that we are all on learning. Yeah, so what are some things that you have done or that is a part of you that people say is American, quote-unquote? One of the the ones like, like I get a lot is the fact that I am very um, outspoken. <laughs> you know, I speak my mind, you know. Um... You don't do that whole me pacho, me pacho, da me pacho. It's not even the da me pacho or mom me pacho thing. It's just that. That just means mom, please, or dad, please, before you speak or say anything. It's a sign of respect. Yeah. It's not even that. I just think that because we live in a culture, like, I mean, in a Ghanaian culture where People are just not used to, especially young people, speaking back or voicing out the opinion. That's true. Or being assertive and saying, no, I think this is right. And this is the facts. And you are wrong. And you are wrong. See, that, <laughs> telling all the person that you're wrong is fighting words. <laughs> you know, okay, that's a fighting word right now. That means you're disrespectful. You know, who are you to tell an older person they're wrong? You know, address me properly, respect my position. <laughs> <laughs> Am I your co equal equal? Uh, yeah, you're not my equal equal, you know. Am uh, I your mate? <laughs> so, I, I think said that I think that was one thing that is a part of me that I think people um, kind of saw it as being negative in the sense that it's like, you know, just sit there and listen. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, j- just sit there and listen, or don't just express yourself. Just do the, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, yes, dad. You know, with a <laughs> smile and be a very obedient child and just listen and go do. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and feel like that, honestly, it doesn't help anyone. No, because, because if you, one thing that you have to know is in your career, in your life, if you're going to do something, you must know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't just do it because you're told to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we have to come into the understanding that although 
yeah, the children are young. It doesn't make them less of a human. They're, they're also a human being with their own ideas, their own intellect, their own ways of thinking. And it could be wrong, but yes, that's why we have our parents there to correct us mm-hmm. and say, mm, I can see where you're coming from, but yeah. this is how this could end. And this is why I think your opinion is not right. Or this is why I think you should go this way. But to say that, don't speak back. Mm-hmm. Or don't ask questions. Just do what I told yeah. you to do. Well, why are you asking me why? why you I told you me? what yeah, to do. You know, <laughs> do. Do what I told you because I'm your mama. Yes. And I'm your, you know, I think that one is like a little, like you're saying, I think you're suppressing their individuality and, and, and them having a mind of their own. And being able to be bold to talk about what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Because you'll be surprised to know so many times when you go to school and you know the right answer. And you won't raise your you hand. You won't raise your hands to speak it because you're afraid. You're afraid. You're timid. You've been told mm-hmm. not to talk back, you know. And so, but you knew the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I don't think our parents intentionally meant it to be like that but these are things that when you're young it could affect you and i think these are also things that they grew up with as well Mm -hmm. and they some of them i guess they never questioned it right so they feel like that is the proper way to go about raising children because they look at themselves and they say well i turned out fine Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so if i do the same thing for my children then they will turn out okay as well right so they're not thinking about I don't think they do anything intentional to harm their children. Nobody no does. parent no does, parents that. does that. Right. But I think it's just the understanding mm-hmm. of the times that we are in. Children are very independent right now. Right. With their own mindsets, their own attitudes, their own perspectives. And they deserve respect for those things as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that wisdom comes with age. Right. But you don't have to stifle Mm-hmm. their voice at a young age so much that when they grow up they're afraid to even speak out right right you know i would say that me i guess the things that people will consider americanized about me is very controversial you know i don't like to talk about it because people get the wrong idea and you know you and i both know my views on household chores and gender <laughs> norms And as much as I speak about it, you know, people think I'm being too much of a feminist, but it's not even about being a feminist. I think that it's essential skills that every individual should know Mm -hmm. how to do. Mm -hmm. Cleaning and cooking is not something that is limited to only women. Mm -hmm. It is for your own life. When you're living by yourself, I, I would assume a correct person will want to live in a neat place, okay, right? right or right. have the ability to make food for yourself. These are survival skills. Mm-hmm. And that's why, to me personally, I don't feel like it should be only taught to the girls, but to both, because they are survival skills. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. I, I don't think... Am I wrong? I don't think that it's crazy to teach your children these things. No, it's not crazy at all, because... Like you're saying, is survival skills. Like, if you know how to cook, and you live by yourself, you save yourself your own money. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and like you're saying, if you live by yourself, you want to live in a clean place. You know, so 
you do you, you're not just it, you shouldn't just do it because you're with someone it, sh- it should be something you want to do for yourself mm-hmm. and and if it's something you do for yourself and you're in the marriage it doesn't mean that oh you know i i stopped doing it you right know, there's two people living in a house you want to you want to make it um enjoyable as possible how can we make each other's life easy that is what yeah. i'm saying because a lot of times i see you know immigrant parents that come they're working multiple jobs mm-hmm. and i'm sorry but household chores is a job in of itself mm-hmm. it's taxing on the body it takes energy to stand there and cook all day so i'm just saying if you're there and you're able if you're both able to do so why not help each other out why does it have to be that oh this is strictly you know the kitchen is for women mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like that you know it's supposed yeah. to be helping each other right. and i don't see anywhere in the bible where it says the kitchen belongs to the women okay <laughs> listen jesus cooked for his disciples that's Esau, all i'm saying Esau and Jacob cooked. Cooked. meanwhile rebecca was sitting there you know with her legs well, crossed well, telling them well, what rebecca to do cooked for jacob though but Esau was the he was a good yes cook. Um, and I'm but like, i think i think that part of the culture is changing though thank god because it is with the you know with a younger generation i think they come to understand that listen back in the days mm-hmm. women didn't work mm-hmm. men were the one that was doing all the work exactly. but now the women are working just as much as the men are working so, so i think the younger generation is, is you know is changing let's help each other out yeah let's, let's make help each other's each other life out. easy yes yeah. but i would say those are some of the views that i have that people will consider very americanized or very western you know but i don't think it's don't a think bad it's thing bad. i yeah. think it's just thinking about the times that we are in Mm-hmm. And the amount of work that everybody does right. is just to help each other out. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, if we're both tired, yeah, I mean, what? It, I mean, we're both tired, right? But right. we both gotta eat, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. So let's help each other out. Right. That's all I'll say. But that's that's just me. You know, everybody is free to have their own mind. Um, but coming to an end. You know, I was going to say one of the proverbs, you know, one of it's a Sudanese proverb, actually. And it says that, you know, there are two things we should give our children. One is roots and one is wings. And when I think about it, that's basically what you talked about. You know, that's what brought it back to my mind. We want to give the children roots. Mm-hmm. We want to give them an understanding of where they come from how far they have come there you know those that came before them Mm -hmm. so that they have a foundation and they know that okay this is my father's land this is where i'm coming from this is my people Mm -hmm. these are my custom this is my language this is who i am but we also want to give them wings to grow and Mm -hmm. fly you want to give them that independence and that confidence that you've raised them well enough to uh-huh. soar on their own uh-huh. and to go to greater heights. Uh-huh. And you, you're a mother. Yeah. Yes, you're a mother. So I wonder what that means for you with all your experiences. And now that you have a child of your own, Oof. how does that make you feel when you think about these things? Um, It's like you're saying, I mean, I, I think it's a, a, a good problem. I think every parent every mother every father wants the best for their children Mm -hmm. you know um i like you're saying i want my children to know 
where they come from. I want them to embrace, you know, the culture of and accept and 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 be proud of being a Ghanaian. Of course. And knowing their roots, mm-hmm. you know. And when you think of all that goes on in America, even with racism and all of that, right? You want to teach your children to be strong. Of course. And accept themselves for who they are. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting for someone to come tell my children who they think they are. No, I'm going to do that at home. This is who you are. You know what I mean? And when you go out there, be strong enough to, you know, stand on your two feet, being proud of where you come from, your culture, accepting who you are, and not letting anyone make you feel less than. And, and also knowing that the God that we serve, he's faithful. And yes. you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, it is my hope and my prayer that I raise my children with a mentality that they can do anything that they set their minds to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that um, they, should not be, they shouldn't feel limited by their skin color. Or by where they come from. Mm-hmm. But rather they should have the mindset and saying, listen, this is who I am. I am proud of who I am. And I can get to where I want to get to with God on my side. Amen. All right, Sister Jackie took us to church for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but that concludes our episode for today. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this talk. once again it's always good to have my sister here because you know we talk about all these things all the time so it's good to put it out here so i'm very grateful that she came out here to really speak to us about her experiences thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Incomo with judith amoa please let me know your thoughts on instagram at Incomo underscore podcast Follow and subscribe to my podcast if you haven't done so already. It is available on all platforms including Spotify, Anchor, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Tune in every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for new episodes. Thank you all for listening and I will see you all next week for another episode of En Como with Judith Amoa.